Welcome to the 4D Experience, Deep Dives with Dan and Drew. Drew, the Bears have been so bad over the last two weeks that we couldn't even have an episode. They were that bad. They were. Well, the first game was that bad. The second game, the offense at least actually showed up, um, but the defense decided to lay an egg at a really, really poor time. So, yeah, uh, football not looking great and coaching weird bunker and hotel room with COVID. And there's a lot of weird COVID stories going on in the NFL. We might touch on a couple of them. But before we get to the abysmal Chicago Bears. And the sports scene in general, with one exception. Yes. Um, It would be kind of, uh, yeah, it would behoove us to start with the biggest story going on in Chicago right now. This is going to be probably a little bit of a heavier episode. Um, We've, it's not that we've been like shying away from it. We've been tr- actually just super busy, yeah. the two of us. Life has happened. Life has happened. I've been up and around in, in Texas and chasing a friend of mine around the country, around the middle part of the country. Uh, then we had his wedding where we ended up finding him, finally catching up to him in Lake Geneva. Uh, so there's been lots of drinking, frivolity, and all sorts of stuff. And it doesn't necessarily lead time for good or uh, cogent recording. Um, the drunken recording might have been interesting, but uh, we're going to leave that in the restaurant there where we where they did the reception. So uh, anyway, this is going to be a little bit heavy because we're going to talk about the Blackhawks and we're going to talk about uh, the fallout uh, of the Jenner and Block investigation. Uh, that has since come out. We all we now know who John Doe is. That happens to be one Kyle Beach. Uh, who's gone on national television in Canada. Uh, you can find it if you go if you follow a brilliant reporter by the name of Rick Westhead, who's been spearheading this. He did a absolutely gut-wrenching uh, but important interview with Kyle. Uh, it's about a half an hour long. I would highly suggest you, you listen to it, and I highly suggest you listen to the whole thing. Uh, it's not easy. It's a tough watch. I, it was tough for me to watch. Um, Anybody who knows me knows I've got Blackhawk stuff all over my apartment. I've got it on the back bumper of my car. Um, you know, I have been one of the 5,000 who went to the stadium before they were good. I don't know if I will continue to be now that they're not so good again, uh, especially after this. It's going to be, this is, it's really, really, really tough. Um, yeah, just a really, really hard story to follow. The the Blackhawks have a long road ahead of them uh, of building trust uh, with their fan base, with their players. Uh, I, granted, the organization has changed over a lot. There's very few remaining. From no, I mean they've done year. so. So just to kind of catch everybody up on what the the fallout has been, um, basically it's come to now full light. 
that there was this meeting with six of the the big wigs of the team. That was John McDonough, Coach Joe Quenville, Stan Bowman, uh, potentially an assistant GM and Kevin Dayoff. He was supposedly in the room, according to this investigation. Uh, Al McIsaac, and I'm missing one, and I can't think of the other one. But it, it as a result of this, where they basically made a collective decision to not report uh, the abuse that was happening from their video coach, Brad Aldrich, to anybody until after the 2010 Stanley Cup run. Um, it was it's clear from the notes in the investigation and through all the interviews that the team made the decision that winning the Stanley Cup was more important than dealing with the situation. Uh, it was reported approximately two weeks after the Stanley Cup run. However, that was after the parade, after Brad Aldrich was allowed to participate in said parade, had his name had etched a, on the cup, a name etched on the Stanley Cup and all and actually had a day with the Stanley Cup. Um, he was then moved on from the team, but was not fired. Um, and the longer, the more you read into Brad Aldrich, you just realize what a sick puppy predator this guy is, not to coin a phrase from the last president, but I don't really have a better term for him. Um, he, the dude's just a predator. I mean, he went, ended up working in a high school in Houghton, Michigan, which is probably one of the bigger cities in the Upper Peninsula, but it's kind of really cordoned off from the rest of the country, really, and did it again and was caught abusing a 16-year-old who we don't know that name, and that's probably a very good reason why we don't know that name, mm -hmm. um, before finally getting arrested for this, for his sickness, and then even went in jail. Apparently, there are complaints about him being in the jail cell trying to do stuff to his cellmate. So this is just an absolutely dark human being, a dark predator. There's something wrong with the head. Uh, I'm convinced it's chemical. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, like I said, to, to it, it's Penn State all over again. It's exactly the Penn State narrative. It's exactly all of what, what happened. And well, thank goodness this wasn't a decades long thing like Penn State. <laughs> That, well, that was it. The timeline spans ooh. back a decade. I mean, they, they did yeah. get rid of him, yeah, and what they thought they got rid of him. And you know, the way corporate culture tends to work is you report up. And if the one at the very tippy top, and that's John McDonough, doesn't do anything, you know, what I, I understand when people say, Hey, I thought he was going to take care of it. And then when they, but they don't see anything, that's when the, the, the snapback has to be, hey, nothing's happened here. Something should have happened. Why am I not saying anything? And for whatever reason, those six individuals who were in that room all made, all made their own decision to leave it alone until it was basically too late. Yeah. I, I mean, you mentioned the, the first two people who I think need the most blame in this situation. Obviously, the person that commits the crime deserves yeah, of course. all of it, all of it. Uh, and McDonough is the person who runs the organization. hes I know the owners are the owners, but this is the guy running the operations of they the They basically the brought him in and said, you do whatever the heck you want to do to turn this thing around. Because that was at the period where, you know, 2003, 2004, 
Blackhawks were voted, I think, as the worst franchise in sports. Might be headed there again. Yeah, yeah, and they're not right. Exactly. I mean, but that was as bad. You know, they didn't have a PR department. They they, they had, didn't have any department. They didn't have anybody they like answering one the phone. Department right. for everything. They had like some poor secretary person trying yes. to answer the phones. Um, to go from that to then a perennial Stanley Cup contender. Uh, you know, the on ice stuff in terms of putting the team together, you know, you could still get out ac- give accolades for that if you want to. Um, but when, and I think at the end of the day, and, and so let's, let's just get the journalistic part out of it. Let's, let's just say, look, all, so Stan Bowman's been fired. Alma Kaiser's been fired. Our Stan Bowman was allowed to resign. resign yeah. Um, Alma Kaiser was let go. The other guy whose name I cannot think of, I think it was Jay Blunk or something. Uh, And and if it's not, I apologize that I'm getting the names wrong. Um, There were two Blackhawks executives that were right away let go. One was Alma Kaisek. I'm not sure who the other one was. Um, And, you know, obviously Quenville was no longer with the team. Uh, So whoever was involved is no longer in the organization. Uh, It looks like Danny Wirtz, the now younger son of Rocky Wirtz, who has come in, has tried to at least put out statements that at least aren't totally tone deaf um, and have set, tried to say the right things. But again, it's words and, you know, how far do you let that go? I Bowman was allowed to resign and there's a lot of anger and hate towards Bowman. And there's also a lot of anger and hate towards players that have defended Bowman for this or that or whatever. Um, I not defending Bowman, but I do in, from my point of view, I think Quinville deserves much more ire than Bowman. And that's fair. The reason for that is the person committing the act was a video coach, part of your coaching staff by definition, right? You are the head coach, therefore in charge of your coaching staff. Uh, The reports are that Quinville was concerned that bringing this to light would ruin team chemistry. It would distract the players from their goal on the ice, whatever those reports may be. You don't think a player being abused would potentially disrupt your team chemistry and that's caused worse. problems. Now, 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 I think it also goes back to the fact that Kyle Beach at the time was basically a what we, we call in baseball a four A player. He was bouncing between the minors and the and the and the the, the big club. Um, he was with the team during when all of this happened. He was basically a non roster player. He Sorry to interrupt. It was Jay Blunk. Jay Blunk. Okay, right. thank you. Okay, I did not want to put anybody under the bus that didn't deserve to be. Because uh, there's enough of that to go around with this story. So, okay. I, I had it right in my head. I'm glad. Um, but, yeah, when you look at Quenville and you look at this situation, why you would have thought that defending one of your players would have been seen as some sort of a distraction against a video coach. wasn't like he was one of the top assistants wasn't like he ran the power play or anything. He was a video coach. I've actually wanted to ask you about this. Um, and I know what video coaches in the NBA might be. Like Eric Spolstra, the head coach of the Heat, was a video coach. Mm-hmm. Obviously knows basketball quite a bit. 
video coach in hockey. I'm just throwing this out there and I don't mean to insult any hockey people, whatever. But let's say you go to North Dakota and you pick a four-year starter on North Dakota's team that's good but can't make it at the next level. He knows hockey. He's good at it. Couldn't he slide in there and be right. like, like, hey, you, they're you, doing you this on the ice. you would find somebody else to edit your three-hour... I mean, effectively, what I think their main job is, it's, it's two. It's twofold. One is to take a two-and-a-half-hour hockey game and compress it down into, like, the 40-minute blurb that the coach needs to see. This is what you need to see in order to make adjustments moving forward. So that's part of it. And then the other part is sometimes work with players and say, okay, look, I'm looking at all this footage. This is what you're doing. Um, here's the video evidence of what you're doing. I feel like many talented there could hockey players could, could do, do that, that job. Yes. yes. No, I totally agree. And the bigger part of this, as I think about it more and more and more, is hockey, the NHL, and the Blackhawks in this particular instance were confronted with a situation that they did not understand. They just did not, they didn't get it. They didn't understand what it meant. You know, they didn't know if it was, like, I don't want to get graphic, but they didn't know if it was just a touch or if it was more than that or what he tried to do. And who knows exactly the details of what happened in that hotel room. I don't want to know, quite frankly. But I think when you're confronted with a situation that you don't understand, the natural instinct is to take it and anybody associated with it and get it as far away from you as possible. And that's what they did. And they didn't really care how they did it. And that then is a major failing to Kyle Beach. I don't understand from an executive standpoint or an ownership standpoint, we've seen an infinite amount of examples at this point, unfortunately, where these types of situations, whether it be harassment, racism, misogyny, whatever the, the thing is, every time that it's swept under the rug, it becomes more of a problem Oh, more of a the, grenade the, going. The cover-up is 10 times worse. Always. Because what's, what's the worst thing that would have happened? They would have come out. It would have been a 48-hour news cycle. They would have said, we dismissed our video coach. We've reported it to the police. Maybe he gets arrested. We're defending. We're standing by our player that we signed and have an actually an investment in, in Kyle Beach. He was a high draft pick. This was a kid that they had high hopes for. And it did, and you look at the career timeline, and you see exactly when it went sideways for him. It's exactly when all this happens, and the timing all lines up. I just don't understand that executive like, like, line. Of no, thinking. like I don't, I don't get it either. Like even in the room, you you don't trust that these are adults. Apparently, you don't. You think you all have children. That that that's the only thing I can think of is you. You obviously clearly think that all of these your players can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Now maybe some of them can't. And maybe that's part of the problem because then, you know, if you listen to it more, apparently there were players who were continuing the the cycle of abuse by making him feel even more ashamed about it, uh, which to me is a, is a huge problem. Uh, I know you're trending in the direction of going the global yeah. uh, issues at hand, but before we go global with it, that's fine. Um, staying uber local, <laughs> uber small. 
the players. You just mentioned the, the players. Um, there's been an interesting dynamic between former players, like uh, most notably Sopel and Carcillo have been particularly vocal on this subject. There's been other players, including uh, some of Beach's teammates from the Black Aces, um, who've come out in support and come out in uh, condemning some of the other Blackhawks players who they're saying that's ridiculous that you don't know anything about this. I did. If I did, you should have. Right. I was in the same locker room. I was in the same building. If I know about it, how can you possibly say you don't? That's damning evidence against some of these players. And then you have Kane and Taves, who are the face of your franchise for the last decade plus, come out in the press conference that they had uh, and and just drop the ball so epically. And they've since recanted a lot of what they said in that opening press conference of like, well, that's not reflective of how we might feel about Beach or we might feel about the thing being... Uh, under investigation, like the actual assault, uh, we were just giving our personal interactions with Quinville and with Bowman. You can't be more tone deaf. Yeah, no, I mean, the Jonathan Taves cost, took a chunk out of his legacy. A big by, one. By, a, yeah. a, with a 10 minute press conference. It, it can happen that quickly when, and, and like nobody has prepped him for like, this is what you probably shouldn't say. And you pretty it was a, almost a playbook of, well, the guy I know in Stan Bowman never would have done it. Well, people are great at being duplicious. Here's where that I mean that I think that's that's the moral of this, if nothing else. People are can be awesome at hiding parts of their lives away from you. It's I understand where Taves thought he was coming from. He was Thought he was coming from that brotherhood of a Stanley Cup team and teammates and a, a GM that took a, I don't even want to say a risk on him because Taves was a pretty sure thing. That's why he was such a high draft pick. Um, I, but this is where that bites you is because you're so tone deaf to the, let's not talk in generalities here. This is a very specific thing that happened. You need to be aware that that's going to be a touchy subject for a lot of people. And a lot of people are going to be offended by it. A lot of people are going to be angered by it. A lot of people are going to be angered at you as the guy wearing the C for not doing more. And I, I get that he can't necessarily have stopped the assault from happening. He couldn't fire the, the coach himself. But you know what he could have done as a captain? Could have reached out to the player and said, Hey, what can we do what to support you? What can we do to help you? you? Yeah, what do you need? That's his job right. as the C, and it clearly was not done. No, no. So therefore... And, 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 and if you think back to 2010, and again, I'm not making excuses for it. Right. He was one of the youngest captains True. in the league at the yeah. time. Um, there's a lot of learning. Did, did the organization thrust that upon him too quickly? And did that therefore then cost the organization as a whole in this situation? That's a perfectly valid question to be asked, I think. I'll give you the, not that you were making excuses for him, I'm not saying that, but I'll give you the excuse that he was a young captain trying to learn his way in the league and learn his way as a captain in the league. I'll give you that. You know what he's not right now? Is a 20-year-old captain. True. He's no, an older he, vet he, that needs to come out in this press conference and say, I made mistakes 
I've already reached out to the right. player in question and I've had a talk with him and I've apologized for my lack of leadership in that moment. I hope he has it in me, has it in him different. Whatever. Right. From there on, that's the press conference we all wanted from you, Jonathan Taves, if you're listening. Hope you are. <laughs> but um, that's the one we wanted from you. Um, disappointing that you weren't. Now you're not that 20-year-old kidding. And and it shouldn't have been, look, it, it should have been before, like they, they waited till after the game because why, I don't know. So, and then, you know, that was the first time that he'd been in front of cameras, which is a whole nother thing. Can you I... know, if, if you want to to get this out and, and the only way to expunge it is unfortunately with the heat of daylight, why are you not talking in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the day? Why are you not talking in the middle of the afternoon? Why can, are you not? Why can you I bring up another Chicago athlete who we've had many of lively debate about <laughs> on this podcast? Who we'll talk about a little later? Justin Fields. Justin Fields came out and, quite honestly, was awful. He was horrendously awful against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know what Don't, he did? He came out in his uniform before changing and was like, I'm taking ownership. I was not good today. Right. Like, this was an epic failure. This is my bad. I will be better. That's a kid. Whatever you want to say about his football ability right now, his leadership ability is through the roof to me right now. Yeah, absolutely. And you have a veteran that's won three Stanley Cups, been on Olympic teams. Been a world junior captain. He's considered one of the top leaders has, in has the whole a CV NHL. that is lengthy and, and great. I don't, and I get the Blackhawks, we we talked about, or I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but we talked about off the show, like, are they putting him on COVID protocol just to get him away from a mic? Right. And keep him away from the press? Because if that's the case, I don't want that. You need, like you were just saying, forget a press conference after or before a game. Make a press conference. You need to be out there. You need to answer every question. You need to answer it as honestly and 100%. as forthright as you can. 100%. You can't just hide behind well-worded and well-curated um, statements. Like the yeah. couple of statements that they've put out, I don't have a problem with, or that the team has put out, I don't have a problem with because, you know, they are what they are. Yeah. Like I get that. Yep. Um, and they don't go any farther than that for me. They're also still in a technical legal battle. Correct. Too, which also is weird. Like, well, and it looks like they're going to settle. It looks like they've, they, they got caught in and their lawyer, Kyle Beach's lawyer is not stupid. Kyle Beach's lawyer is very smart. She knows exactly what she's doing and she knows exactly when she does what she does because she knew that the team was up against a deadline and was going to have to file a motion to dismiss. She knew all that. That That's great lawyering. That's what – good on you, Kyle Beach, for hiring a gun of, a, of an attorney um, because she made the Blackhawks look feeble, inept, and stupid, and that's what you paid her for. That's exactly what you paid her for. So you got what you wanted out of that. But – my God, I mean, it's going to be like, I, I have no desire to really watch any of the games. Not, not to mention, the product on the ice has been That's abysmal. Whole, yeah. Abysmal to Which watch. that we have discussed. We we have discussed. We, we have a skull. One more that needs to go out. They're 1-9-2. Right? They're 1-9-2. It's not, the only win they got was um, the day Patrick Kane came back after not playing for a week and a half. He was fully rested. He goes out and scores a hat trick. Well, good. 
good for you. Um, yeah. I don't want to, I know we're running long on the Blackhawks conversation, but I didn't want to cut short. We got your, about five. I didn't want to cut short your global point yeah. that you wanted to make because that's important to make. No, and I think I think it's not just the Blackhawks. I think this is hockey in general. It, it, it's it's hockey in it's sport in it, it's sport in general that they are confronted with situations that they don't. When when people are confronted with situations that they don't understand, it's and you've seen this over and over and over again. Like you saw it with when COVID first came out. It was get everybody who has it cordoned off and let them get better on their own. And I don't want to see or do or anything with that. And COVID erupted to the point where you couldn't any longer. Um, but sexual abuse in sport still is rampant. It it, it hasn't stopped. Um, there's another report coming out about Bill Guerin and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that's tied potentially to Mario Lemieux. And I think we're going to get more nasty and more ugly come, come out of that. Um, and and it's, I think it's bad in the NHL because... It, it, the quote unquote bro culture or that hockey club culture. I, I played hockey as a youth. I've been in those locker rooms. I do know kind of what that starts to feel like, especially 13, 14, 15 years old. Yeah. Um, it can be a very intimidating place if you're not part of the clique or if you're not in the club, whatever. I understand how you can feel isolated very, very, very quickly. I can't, now nothing directly happened to me. I will come out and say that right now. Uh, I've never been <laughs> had any of those issues, um, it's, but it's I can see it. not just hockey either, because now you got the Suns being investigated in the NBA. Right. I just saw an article as I was getting ready for this about uh, an executive in the Trailblazers organization that's getting in some hot water right now. You have to, and hopefully this does get blown up and there's a microscope shown on it because I think it's more rampant than we want to admit to ourselves. In a, a baseball is not exempt. Football is not exempt. No. Uh, it's You know, for all, the for all the celebration that we have of, I think the first openly gay NFL player came out earlier this year, even. I think he plays for the Raiders. Um, and, and as good of a thing, as progressive of a thing, that, that that's that, that, that it is, um, I think there's still, we have more vulnerable people that we need to be protecting, especially at the youth and high school levels. And one step further globally, it's a societal problem outside of sport as well. Cause I can't tell you the amount of times I've heard, well, Kyle Beach is a professional athlete. That's uh, six foot four, whatever he is male. How did he let this happen? that's a dangerous path to go down. It, it's it's not about the act. Like everybody wants to get wrapped up in the act, the sexual act itself. It has nothing to do with the sexual act itself. It's about a power trip. And what, it's a video coach. It's not a important cog. How much power did that video coach wield over an entire organization, over those six people in the room mm -hmm. and over Kyle Beach? And he continued to do it. And, and that's what, that's really what, you know, that's what he's getting off on. He's yeah. getting off on the power, not necessarily the sex is part of it, but it's not, it's not the whole deal. It's the power trip, man. And that's what has to get looked at. And until we get to the core of that issue and, and, and what, who wields power and how and when and where, 
it's just it's damning for the it's damning for hockey it's damning for sport as a whole um and i think it's the, the next 10 years is going to be the, the quandary that i think all sports are going to have to solve yeah Oy. deep topic <laughs> yeah very deep, deep topic to start the show with um we'll get into some other things <laughs> yes yes we're going to come back from we're going to take a break we'll re-rack this um and we're going to talk about some actual on-field stuff uh and we'll figure out uh where we go from here because but we needed to do that so thank you everybody for listening we appreciate it so come on back let us know your thoughts your comments yeah, exactly. hit us up on twitter at 40 experience one absolutely come on back well dan you know what the best part of doing this job is now sometimes we actually get to do some breaking news and this is this the is the most breaking news we've had two minutes two minutes we literally picked up our phones to make sure life was still happening and for all we just talked about the Blackhawks and the negativity and all that, it, it continues. Uh, but there's light at the end. There's some light at the end of the tunnel, at least on the on ice stuff. Uh, the Blackhawks have fired coach Jeremy Colleton. Uh, that has just come down the pipe. Um, I'm literally reading a breaking news story. So Colleton is gone. Assistant coaches Thomas Middle and Sheldon Brookbank, who was a former player, mm -hmm. they are gone. They have retained. Uh, the following coaches, Mark Crawford, Jimmy Waite, Matt Meacham, and Dylan Crawford. The new coach will be Derek King, in, at least serving on an interim basis. Derek King is currently the coach of the Rockford Ice Hogs. Um, quote from, I believe this is Danny Wirtz. Quote, we appreciate Derek's willingness to step in behind the bench as we embark on our search for our next permanent head coach. So this is definitely an interim job. His NHL experience as a player and work with our younger players in Rockford over the last four years has given us confidence in his ability to lead the Blackhawks in this interim role. Uh, this is a story from 670 to score. A King, who is 54, takes over the, uh, the Blackhawks after previously being, like I said, the Rockford Ice Hogs a coach since April of 2019. No, yes, April 2019. Wow. So um, the on-ice product, as we said, was has been abysmal. They are 1-9-2. and two. To put it lightly, it's been abysmal. It's They haven't even been close. It took, you know, we said we said before, it took two games to take a Hall of Fame goaltender and Marc-Andre Fleury and have him start throwing shit. Um, yep. And he was throwing shit again. <laughs> like, um, they, they got the one win. They, they looked decent against Carolina. The second game it against took Carolina, five goals, three from Kane, two from Debrinket, to, to break hang on in that game to beat a mediocre Ottawa team, right? A mediocre team. Forget, and I know they've been close against the Hurricanes a couple of times, right? Lost and won. They had a multi goal lead on the Hurricanes, correct? And, and lost, lost. And, and, and managed to, you know, you know all over themselves in surprisingly two minutes. They finally had a lead going into the third period. I mean, they set an NHL record for not having a lead to start a season. That's how bad this is. And yeah. and and so thank God that hopefully the first thing that Derek King does is say, we're going to play zone defense again. I tell you what, I am so excited. We just got through a segment where we were like, we don't know how many Blackhawks games we're going to watch and, and so on and so forth. Now I'm actually excited to hear Drew's opinion on the next game and see if they see switch if they, up well, the defensive. I don't know. I don't know that. Well, here's the thing: when you wait this long to do what they should have done, basically at the end of last season, this this is clearly proven. Um, 
it takes a couple of weeks for any coach to try to reinstall a new system. And yes, they're professional players. Now they're going to have to do something basic, basic, go back to basics. So basic rules. Here's a question for you. Uh, we haven't on this show yet because, uh, you know, we took some time off, but uh, we were going to kind of get on Colleton for literally handing over a clipboard yeah. to his players during a timeout and yeah. having like Kubalik draw up a play. I think you're going to see kind of more of that in the next kinda, little bit. That's what I'm saying. Do you go to like Flurry and Seth Jones and you're like, what do you want to do here on defense? Right. Because what are you guys more comfortable with? Right. What do you guys that's feel exactly comfortable what it playing? Should be. I mean, that's how you fix the, the on ice stuff. Um, yeah, is, is to, is to basically go to the players and let them almost self-coach themselves for the next little bit. You know, the guy, Derek King can come in, he can oversee the line changes and he can oversee a few things. He's basically there to fill a spot until they find someone more permanent. Now we have seen coaching changes in teams can result in big surges late. I'm thinking of the Pittsburgh Penguins a couple years ago. This team has talent. Let's not. This team should be in the, should be a playoff team. There's enough talent on the roster if you actually look at it top to bottom to be a lot better than what this record is. And it was it is clear that they had stopped listening to Colleton. Um, we talk about our, our travel experiences on the way up to the wedding in Lake Geneva. I had Sirius on because I didn't know how long I was going to be able to keep Chicago stations. And I happened to find the the first game against Carolina that they lost, I think, six to three. Um, and they actually got out to a decent start. But I was listening to the Carolina broadcast. And, you know, they were talking. It, it's, it's so interesting to get the perspective of the opponent. Um, they were talking about how different it was um, that normally when te- when coaches, you know, do practices – they, they, they all know the level at which they can talk to where, you know, they can communicate a message, but not have it be an earshot of media. Well, apparently Colin was screaming at them. And once you go to that part of screaming at a professional athlete, there's no other tool in your toolbox. There's no other club in your bag for like, for, for, for golf parlance there. Um, I think he'd exhausted everything he could. They clearly stopped listening to him and they didn't care. They didn't want to play for him. I, I think it just got worse after the second game in. Like you said, Flurry was just so fed up. And I know he's a new guy, but he's a really important he's new really guy. Really important new guy. That guy is a first ballot coasting into the Hall of Fame. Correct. And uh, what he says has got to carry weight. And I know you have Kanan Taves in there, but that guy is not silent. He's not going to sit there and let goals be scored on him. That's not how he does things. Right. So, um, and, and, you know, Seth Jones too, I, I imagine it's not fun for him, uh, being the target, like, oh, I got this big contract and I'm getting a minus, a minus, a minus, a minus continuing put on him. I'm sure it's not fun for him either. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how the Blackhawks rebound from this. I, I honestly would expect a little bit of a, of, of a rebound. I'm not. I don't know if they have it in them to turn it all the way around and go to the playoffs. Um, but I'd expect a little bit of a rebound. Oh, there'll be a bump. So the, the, there will literally be a dead cat bounce from this because they're not as bad on the roster as that record. Yeah, there's yeah, no way that they're as bad as that record indicates. Um, they will probably play better for the next little bit. They can't be. Worse. Can't be a whole lot worse. Can't I mean, be they, worse. you can't be getting shellacked by multiple goals. I mean, it's it. it tells me 
that, you know, all of this put together, I think has just come up in a perfect storm of just negativity. So, Hey, now at least that whole regime is gone. And once Bowman was out, that was his, that was Jeremy's big defender. He had nobody left and you can't continue to, you couldn't, I mean, it, it, it was making the decision easy and, and the press conferences were just inept. He really had nothing other than cliches and platitudes and nothing really important to say. So sounds like another coach in Chicago. <laughs> Good. That's called a radio transition. That's what that is. Shall we finally get off of the Blackhawks? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, as I opened the show, jokingly saying, uh, jokingly, but also seriously saying the Bears, uh, it's been a struggle. All I know is here's what I, I did not watch the game at Tampa. I was in Texas. Oh, watching you are a cars going day. fast. I happened to get back to the car after the race ended. I flipped on. Apparently, I had like an hour trial of Sirius XM in the, my rental car. I flipped it on because I couldn't get any cell signal. So I didn't know even what the score was. And it went from 14 to nothing to 35 to nothing in 24 minutes of actual time. And then my free trial expired. And I just said, you know, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> it's uh... it, it was the, the Buccaneer game was bad. There were, there's no good about it. It was, it was from what I've read, it was like the Cleveland game plan all over again. The offense made no sense. It couldn't do anything. Let, let me just read this line yeah, really quick for the, the two quarterbacks. I'm not going to get into completions and yards and, and such. But Fields, three interceptions, two fumbles lost, sacked four times. Brady, four TDs, no picks, no sacks. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's not like Brady like set the world on fire. He passed for 211 yards. That's not a lot of yards. No, but when you only have half the field to go... <laughs> That, but he's also exceedingly, and he wasn't even that efficient. I mean, he missed 16 incompletions. Yeah. True. They dropped this stat on you during the game that it was, at one point, he had six consecutive incompletions. Six consecutive. That's tied for his record. time. That's absurdly good. It's insanely good. Um, But it's not like he dealt, he's just, he doesn't make mistakes. He yeah. never makes a mistake, and he completes the ball often and when he needs to. It's. I hope Fields forget watching the film of you playing that game. Watch the Buccaneers film. Right. Watch Brady's watch film and watch what he does. I hope that's what he's doing. I hope that's what, he's sitting back and watching some of these other quarterbacks play and going like, I, I know I'm jumping ahead, but Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo threw for. Oh, yeah. 322 yards. The, the, the defense decided to finally lay an egg and at I, the worst I hit Max possible didn't play. Time. And for the for all the people that said, well, Max not putting up big sack numbers, what's his worth? That, That's my friends, worth. is his worth. Yeah. Because and they might still get beat, and that's fair, but 322 yards ain't happening. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo not getting and hit not a on a lot it's of attempts happening. either, which means that it was chunk yeah. plays, which means that yeah. it was long passes. There was, I know, I think an 83 yard screen pass, I think, to I want to say Debo Samuel, um, who went over for like 200 yards. Yeah, it was it's absurd. It was it was crazy. And you know, the fact of the matter is, you actually saw development out of Justin Fields in this last game. I thought it was probably his best game as a professional. The stats might not show it, but. Did you see the the scramble for the touchdown? I did. Oh my 
God, give me more, please. Um, here's here's why I'm not excited because we're getting very hyped for a offensive performance that netted 22 points. No, I know it's not enough. It's not enough. That ain't gonna win you a whole no, bunch of football. But at least from what I can gather, and again, we were we where were we were on the golf course. We, we were, were on the golf course. We, we, we were, were like we were getting our, our asses handed to us by that golf course. Yeah, we were uh, <laughs> win more ways than one. Um, while this game was going on, and what I from what I had read, at least it looked like you know he had more command. He was able to run. It, things were a little bit more in sequence. Does it does it translate necessarily to offense or, or great point totals? Not no, not necessarily. But they did have, I think, four consecutive drives where they scored points. When's the last time you're going to say that about it? But now, granted, they were all field goals. Cairo Santos is still the MVP. I think he's the offensive MVP of this team, which is either really, really good or really, really bad. And whichever he, way and you he have had to. an off game. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, he missed the missed extra a field point. goal and a field goal, I think. Yeah. Um, so. But again, look, you don't deserve to win that game if Jimmy Garoppolo is dropping. A no, I mean the fact line. of the matter is, as bad as it was, they had they were within a point. The Niners are and, not. And the good. Niners should not just be able to go seventy-five yards on your defense. No, absolutely. The way not. that it's constructed, and they did so. Yeah, I mean, to me, it, it just reiterates my whole point. This team was never really going anywhere. And he thought that they could be was probably a mirage. Um, their schedule is brutal. It's not going to look better. I just want to see continued development from number one. And that's really where I'm, my, my focus is. And but, but I would like to see the defense at least show up. That would be nice. That'd be nice. So I know that they have a game against Pittsburgh on Monday night. Um, I just oh, Justin see... Fields, you better be ready to run. Yeah, well, it's going to get harder again on defense. Mac uh, is, I believe, ruled out. Yeah, the schedule is getting harder. We got the Cardinals, I believe, coming up soon. We do have the Lions coming up soon again, though, and that's well, saving grace. At least there's that. Um, let's hope Justin Fields is still standing on two feet by that game, so he can have a little bit more freedom to show off what he can do. But um, yeah, it's. It's tough. I think I saw an FPI number that had the Packers-Bears game coming up in a couple of weeks as the Packers is 78% favorites. That's a large, That's a large number. That's a large number. Now, now, is that before Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee that was show before. and opened his mouth? That was before. And inserted his foot? That was before. Okay. Um, I'm interested to see what... Uh, what love Jordan can Love do. can do. I'm I'm interested. We'll see. I think the best thing that can happen is Jordan Love goes out and throws for 400 yards and five touchdowns, and they somehow find a way. And maybe that's a mirage game. And then they find a way to move on from Aaron Rodgers. I would be so conflicted because a that would mean that Aaron Rodgers is probably done, which I'd be totally fan of. At least in Green Bay, he'd be done. But also that means the Packers have somehow found another good quarterback, right. which would make me mad. Which is three and. 30 years. God damn it. We're editing. It's explicit. Who cares? It's, it's ridiculous. But no, uh, the last two weeks for the Bears uh, have not been pretty. So one offensively and defensively both. And then the Niners was just defensively a nightmare. It... Yeah, I, I think we've said it. I think we've, we've done it enough. Um, we know kind of where they are. We'll, we'll see if it can get any better. Um, so moving on, probably one of the the one bright spot 
in, in the uh, in the lexicon right now, it's been the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, um, six and two, six and, and two, fun, yeah, fun to watch. They watch the Bulls. They're a fun, exciting team to watch. Even if they're down by nineteen going into the fourth quarter, they can still win they that come game. Mac, man, uh, which the, the Bulls prompted an identity crisis with the Celtics, which the Celtics have seemed to figure out since. <laughs> Uh, but but it was fun. The for Bulls those couple of days it. that hey they did that. Um, the one concerning thing is Patrick Williams is out for the rest of the season <sighs> with a wrist dislocation and subsequent did surgery. They, oh, I thought I, I I read something that he might be back for the playoffs. Maybe for the playoffs. Uh, because they were out for like four to six months. Well, so depending you on can how, get back for May on, yeah. June ish. Maybe depending on how it it goes. How are how, yeah? How good are we? Do we really think we have a chance to win this? If he's coming back playing some stellar defense, um, obviously he was in the starting rotation. Offensively, still timid, uh, not really taking his shot. But that you know, shoot with DeRozan and Levine and Vooch, and you don't need him necessarily scoring points. We got people that can do that. Uh, keep in mind, we still have Kobe White that's not even playing, who's supposed to come back relatively soon. So hopefully, that's more offensive uh, firepower coming off of the bench. Hopefully, another three point. It's a little concerning that our two youngest potential stars are both injured. (laughs) Well, Kobe White's coming back sooner than later. Kobe White's coming back sooner rather than later. And Patrick Williams is still outrageously young. young. Don't forget, they drafted him at 18. Drew, he's still like five years away from entering his Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, he's insanely young. So, that's your hope. Um, But no, positively, Bulls are off to a great start. Caruso, Ball seem to have great chemistry with your scores. The Vooch is struggling to find where he where needs the to shot, be. The shots are not falling. The shots are not falling. I, I mean, again, this is... And how long can you tap DeMar, DeRozan, and... Oh, you can't count Zach on him scoring 30-plus every night. that every night. Because they're yeah. both getting up, you know... I mean, it, it sucks to say, you know, what Levine is 29? 20, yeah, 28, 29, 20, late 20s. So, I mean, that's his prime. That, that I can rely on. DeRozan's 30... Thirty-one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's getting up there. No, bit. I'm not banking on him scoring thirty no. plus every night right. like he has the last couple of games. Vooch, maybe he's not the twenty-five fifteen guy that he was in Orlando because the offense is not running through him, correct? As it did in Orlando. But if we can get him twenty and twelve, seventeen fifteen, kind of like he's been doing that. It's not like he's been a no show. He's been putting some numbers up, uh, just not to the all-star level that maybe uh, he has been. I think he almost dropped a triple-double the other night. Yeah, like 17, 11, and 9 or something. That's fine. If we get that from Vooch, that's good. Play some good defense on some of these other centers, and we'll call it a great game for you. You know, yeah. you don't have to drop 30, uh, at least for this Bulls team to win, which is a really good thing to say. Yeah. Because if and, we don't and, need Vooch doing that. And, and to me, this is... A testament to uh, Karnaschovas oh, and the front 100%, 100%. office for coming in and literally, oh, yeah. you want to talk about just sweeping out the the old and replacing it with new um, and doing it really without signing huge marquee talent. And, and you know what the, the key is? The vibe. Yeah. it's, a, it's The a vibe is right because it's vibe. a bunch of players that wanted to come here, that wanted to play together, that thought like, hey, Something exciting is happening here. We're playing a brand of basketball that we want to play. 
we're all and good at it. Proud of now, and they're they're confident in each other. They all know, like, hey, if I give the ball up right now, I have confidence in him to make a shot or right. make the correct play. Right. And that ball's moving, and it's fun, and you get alley oops, you get open shots. They're playing defense. Yes, too. and that's the other. thing. I was going to say that's the other thing. It's almost Tom Thibodeau level. I think they're like number one, number two in the league in points allowed. Uh, it's like close fourth. to that. Yeah, they're yeah, they're, yeah, they're in the top five, which is massive. You have Levine buying into playing defense. Thank you, Olympics. Yeah. You, you have Lonzo Ball, who's six six and can be lanky. Caruso's coming in, bringing energy defensively off the bench. Vooch is stepping his game up a little bit. Uh, obviously, Patrick Williams, our best defender, I mean, out. The, but... the fact of the matter is, you play the Bulls yeah. now. You're going to work for it. There's, there's, they're not. There's no gimmies. And, and I think the interesting part will be how does the league yeah. then respond to what now the Bulls are presenting it, and then how do then the Bulls respond back to when the league adjusts to it. So if they can make those correct adjustments, this team's got some real potential to do some really interesting things. Um, you've seen kind of yeah. Boston maybe be the team that's not in that top four tier in the East. Hopefully they don't figure if, their stuff if out. They don't figure, if they don't figure their stuff out anytime sooner, if they have a fire sale like they were talking about, which I don't know is actually going to happen, but that neither here nor there. If the Bulls can get out of the play-in game, and can maybe get a home court series to go from where they were just to that is a huge step. Was, and, and now you're now, now you're a destination. Now you've got people that maybe want to come here to take you over the top. Boston doesn't scare me. Uh, other teams like the Hornets, the Pacers don't scare me. Atlanta doesn't scare me. They got to prove it to me again. I know they did great last year. Prove it to me again. Well, they've also, they've also changed some of the rules. So Trey Young can't flop his way onto the foul line every time. Yes. Uh, I'm not, this is controversial. I'm not a big believer in Brooklyn. Uh, I, Kyrie, who knows? Cause the mayor, the newly elected mayor in New York said that's not changing. So I don't know what his plan is. So you're depending on James Harden, who you can't depend on in the postseason anyway. And Kevin Durant, who, yeah, he'll show up, but one on a team is not going to get the job done. Milwaukee's good. <laughs> yeah, Milwaukee's, in Milwaukee's very here. good. Sixers. What Sixers team are we getting? We're playing them tonight, I think. Second back-to-back game with the Sixers. They're good. They're very good. And the Bulls almost and beat them in Philly. Should have should have won that should game. Should have won that game. Some interesting refereeing at the end. And you know who knows the Ben Simmons situation? It doesn't right. look like he's going to be in a Sixers uniform this year. It looks ugly over there. So who knows? Bulls might have some opportunities. The Lakers look vulnerable in the West because they can't seem to get healthy. Uh, they, they you never know. You never know. They've already beaten the Jazz this year, who's a contender. We'll see on the Bulls. It's very exciting. The Bears struggling. The Blackhawks are a mess right now. Hopefully, Colleton's firing helps. But hey, the Bulls! <laughs> Tune into the Tune Bulls. Tune into the Bulls. So at least there's something positive. Dan, really quickly, give us a college football rundown. Yes. We don't have a whole lot of time. We're way up against I got you. It, so, I got you. Yeah, so. Northern Illinois is still the number one team in Illinois. Yes, they are. They're 6-3. and three. They beat Central Michigan 39-38 in a very close game. They did lose to Kent State at Kent State 52-47 in one of those MAC showdowns. Are they still in their contention for the MAC? They are. They're game? still okay. sitting on top of the MAC West. They were two games up going into that Kent State game. Now they're one game up, so it's tight. They still got some big games against Ball State and Western Michigan coming up, so... Be tuned in to NIU and Maction as we get closer to the end of the season. Um, Kent State might be a team they might see in that MAC championship game. Probably will be. 
Illinois continues to be just a conundrum of a football team. They're three and seven. No, sorry, four and six now because they won today. So they beat number seven Penn State at Penn State 20 to 18 in nine overtimes. I watched I nine of even, them. Apparently, this was the game that made everybody's eyes hurt. It was nuts. <laughs> because apparently, after a certain number of overtimes, they just go to two point conversions. Oh, and it was, yeah, it was, no, it was a stupid way to end. Yes, it was stupid. But talk about weird. I didn't even know they did that. Yeah, but. it was it was a weird way to end the game. They did get the win, though. Uh, then they inexplicably lose to Rutgers 20 to 14. Makes no sense. And then they beat a 20th ranked Minnesota team to get. I don't know. Is Illinois great? I don't know. Are they bad? I don't know. Uh, whatever. Somewhere Ill- in the middle of Illinois probably where the record tells you that they are. They're a weird team. Northwestern uh, is three and five. They lost to number six Michigan, thirty-three-seven. Got a uh, pound in there. They lost to Minnesota prior to them being ranked, forty-one to fourteen. That got Minnesota ranked. And now they're going to go. I think they play Iowa later tonight. Good luck so, with that. Yeah, Northwestern that. will probably get routed again for the third straight game. Uh, Notre Dame, number ten. Notre Dame, seven and one. Um, beat USC, thirty-one sixteen. Always a good win for Notre Dame. They beat North Carolina, forty-four thirty-four in an ACC showdown. Uh, North Carolina is in a dogfight with um, Wake Forest today in a, in a battle of trying to knock Wake Forest from the unbeatens. Uh, Notre Dame plays Navy today, which on paper should be an easy win for Notre Dame, but we shall see. Navy with that uh, full house backfield can always present problems for teams, yeah. so you never know. Yeah, uh, They presented a problem to Cincy the, one of the last week. The academies are always, you never know. You never know. They you never know. Come up and bite you. So uh, that's a very quick rundown <laughs> of, the, so, of the college football. There's season. been a lot going on. We will probably do a second episode, but we are right up against it on clock for more reasons than one. Uh, we thank you for uh, listening to our first segment. We appreciate if you stuck with us through the breaking news and all that fun stuff. So for Dan, I am Drew. We will catch you all on the next one. Uh, and we'll be on the other side of this Bears Monday night game in Pittsburgh, and we'll get into all that when we can. So Uh, We'll catch y'all on the next one. Thank you for joining us on the 4D Experience. If you like what you heard, please click that subscribe button and your favorite podcasting app. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.